Are you guys ready to get in the word this morning? I am so ready to get in the word. Hallelujah. I better get my Bible. You know, I just always have to have this close to me, even though a lot of times I don't open it. Hallelujah. You know, actually, I need to open it. Go to Galatians chapter 6. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 9. It says, Let us not be wearied or weary in well doing. That word weary literally means to be tired and faint in heart. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Faint. This this Greek word faint, if we faint not, that word means to relax and to let go. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, right, we shall reap if we don't relax and let go. Man, when you, when you believe God for something, you seize hold of it, right? Satan will work overtime to get you weary in your mind. How does he do that? By throwing thoughts, creating situations, pain in your body, whatever it is, it's designed to separate you from your faith because the minute you take your eyes off Jesus, you relax and let go of what you believe God for, right? So we've been talking about the love of God, being led by love. Love, again, is not a feeling, right? Love is a person. The action of love is being a doer of his word, right? Well, today, you know, we're going into... On Thursday, we're going into what we celebrate as Thanksgiving. But you know, Thanksgiving is a foundation for every believer. Do you know Thanksgiving is the foundation for every person on the earth? Thanksgiving determines which direction they go. All the way to the seriousness of either being born again and saved and experiencing eternal life, or a lack of thanksgiving will lead them to the place where they are lost for all eternity. All right, so we want to talk about this. I want to encourage you, if you want a better, if you want a better marriage, take this week starting today. Carry around a notepad with you, or do it in your phone, whatever. And start listing everything that you're thankful for for your spouse. If you're having trouble with your children, list things that you're thankful for with your children. Children, do that with parents, right? I want to encourage you, if you work for someone else, make a list of what you are thankful for in your job. If you own a company, or if you're uh, a boss and have many underneath you, list what you're thankful for. But the number one list is list all that you're thankful for to your Heavenly Father. Man, and, and I mean, keep that ever before you so that you can live a life of thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving is the one thing that increases your capacity to receive from God. It is the thing that connects you to the supernatural, to miracles. Okay? So let's talk about that a little bit. Here's the number one thing about th being thankful. There is no, there is, there's not this. There's not a place where I'm thankful. And then here... There's this neutral zone where I'm not thankful and I'm not unthankful. I'm just kind of in limbo. There's no such place. And then there's the place of being unthankful. There is no place in between thankful and unthankful. 
if you're not consciously thankful to your Lord, it will start producing a lot of stuff in your life because you are in a position of being unthankful. You have to know that. Most people don't know that. Right? Well, you know, I told my wife I loved her when I got married. Why, why do I have to keep telling her that? Right? That doesn't make for a good marriage, does it? Right? And all the guys are like, yeah, no. that's." Uh, they're all, they're writing notes now. They're typing, right? Tell my wife I love her more. Right? So you are either thank, amen. <laughs> that's funny. Now that was an ornery Amen. Because I know her husband, and he, he does a good job in that area. That's right. And, and you know how I know that? Because she tells me that. So that's funny. That's all right. She hangs around my wife sometimes. So that's, Mike could be the honoriness connection. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, don't give her a mic, okay? Pastor Dave, don't, don't, don't give her a mic. <laughs> Darn it. <Yeah. laughs> so Romans chapter 1. Let's go there because I want you to see the foundation of how important this is. Thankfulness is the breeding ground for freedom. Everyone sitting here who knows Christ is completely free. You haven't been set free, you've been made free. But thankfulness is the breeding ground for you to walk in your freedom. Amen? So let's talk about this. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Let's, look, let's go right back to the core of every human being. It says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Now, Romans chapter 1, it talks about how that people that live a heathen lifestyle are not saved, right? Romans chapter 2 goes into those people who are morally upright, and live a religious lifestyle, they're not saved either. Romans 3 tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, so this is Romans chapter 1. So this is talking about people that have, they want nothing to do with God, and they're out there, heathen lifestyle, all this stuff. We know that very well. Some of us have lived in that, right? Others have lived in Romans chapter 2. Same, you're in the same boat. It just looks a little different. But there's a principle here that everyone lives in, even us as believers. So God is saying, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. This word manifest, think about that. That which may be known of God is manifest. This means to show, to make apparent. God is saying here that you can see God simply even by looking at creation, and he goes deeper into that. Everybody has, it has been revealed and shown in them. As they look at just simply creation, they know there's a God. Now that sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Because there are people who will tell you, I am an atheist, I don't believe there is a God, and, and no, I've never, I've never had that in me. And the reason why they are saying that, it'll be very apparent why. No, God, it says, for God has showed it unto them. God has shown every human being that's ever been born who he is. Okay? This Greek word translated manifest makes it very clear that this instinctive, this intuitive knowledge of God is not so subtle that it could be overlooked. Every human being. God gives every individual the right to choose, but there can be no doubt that every person at one time in their life has clearly seen and clearly understood the basic truths of God's existence. Every human being. 
Unless, of course, God's a liar, which we know he's not. Right? So verse 20. Now he's going to explain why. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That's a big statement. They're not just seen. They are the invisible things of him are clearly seen. This word, this word seen literally means to behold fully. So this is saying the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are, are fully able, you're fully able to behold them being understood by the things that are made. And then he says, even his eternal power and Godhead. So in other words, not only did God, in creation, the things that are seen, they cause a person to fully behold who he is, but it also, it also God also gave them being understood. God gave them the understanding to use the knowledge. Every human being. Okay? So everyone who's ever lived at one time in their life, they looked at this natural world and they said, wow, God, I, I, I literally, and it says here, not only God, but about the Godhead, the divine nature of God. Not only did they see that there is a God, but they even understood and beheld fully that there's a God, and they even understood who he was. Well, who is God good? Yeah. At one point in everybody's life, they understood the Godhead. That God the Father, even they probably couldn't tell you this, that God the Father, man, he came up with this plan. Jesus, right, he carried out the plan, and the Holy Spirit, he's revealing the plan. Everybody understood at one point in their life. Now, now I, I know if you're thinking like I'm thinking, you're thinking, gosh, there's a lot of Christians that don't know this. And you're right. There's a reason, and it's going to explain why. In other words... Creation reveals God to us. You can go outside and look at a tree, look at a bumblebee, look, right? Look, look at just creation. Look, I mean, just go out at night and look up at the stars and the planets. Because if the earth was just a little bit closer to the sun, no life. A little bit further away from the sun, no life. Everything not only created, but he's holding it all together. In other words, everything in all of creation points to him. And it says, because of all of this, everybody is without excuse. You know there's going to be multitudes of Christians that are going to stand before God. And the minute they get raptured or the minute they, they go through their life and they step out of their body and they're right in front of the Lord, everyone's going to know instantly, wow, I completely live for myself. I completely live this life as I was my own Lord. My biggest prayer is that these people are actually saved, right? We can't judge the hearts and, and a carnal Christian looks just like somebody who doesn't know God. But literally, Everyone, think about that. Paul is saying that this inner witness of God causes the individual to clearly see the visible things and attributes of God and even understand the very Godhead, even understand his nature. Wow. Think about, think about the people that are out there preaching God heals some and not others. These people don't even understand his nature. Right? Interesting. Think of the people that are living their life doing what they want to do, not what God wants them to do, that are Christians, spirit-filled believers. 
something's happened to them. Right? Thinking that, well, maybe what God said in his word is not, not what I'm supposed to do. I feel like I could just do whatever, you know? Everyone knows good from evil. Everyone knows good from evil. Now, isn't it interesting? We are living in a time where people are calling evil good and good evil. But everyone knows good from evil. Why? Because Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam was not to know evil. God told him, don't eat from that tree. He knew only good. But now that he ate and died spiritually, now everybody knows good from evil. Well, I just didn't, you know, you did. At one point, but some things could happen to change that, to blind you. Before they sinned, they only knew good. In other words, what, what this is saying, there's a spiritual hunger in every person because they know that they are not measuring up to who they should be. Every person at one point in their life, knows. Now, if you're born again and you're not walking the way you should walk, you live in that when you don't have to. Romans chapter 8 says, there is therefore now, now that Jesus came out of the grave, no condemnation to those that are in Christ. But if people are blinded, Christians, guess what? They will condemn themselves. They know they're just not measuring up. There's inner turmoil, Right? This is a real root. Now, now, I'm just believing God that this, this was like, this is to be a really life-giving, positive message. But we're, we'll get there. So just, right? Okay. Every person knows, every person knows at one point in their life that what they do will not satisfy them. There's nothing in this world that can satisfy you. You'll never buy the ultimate car that you'll never want another one. You'll never be able to live in the ultimate house because that stuff is not designed to satisfy. Only he can satisfy. Right? There's a pull towards God. There's a hunger for God in every person. In other words, God has been working on every person. God, every person. God is no respecter of persons. So God knew that I would give my heart to him. God knows that there are individuals that will never give their heart to him, and yet he will still, Jesus still went to the cross and, and literally bore all their sin knowing they would never accept it. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he does for all, right? Right? So now let's look at verse 21. Because that, when they knew God. Hmm. What does that mean? It means when they had the knowledge of right and wrong on the inside, it doesn't mean that they were once saved. They just had this, keep it in context. They knew right from wrong on the inside, they glorified him not as God. So when they were in this position, they knew there was a God, they knew they were not measuring up, they knew good from evil, they decided to not glorify God. Okay? That means to honor and to magnify God. They chose, I'm not going to honor God and I'm not going to magnify him. Now let me throw it over to believers. You know, there's many believers that do not that, that choose, I'm not in this area of my life or that area of my life, whatever, I'm not going to choose to honor God and magnify him. Why do they do that? We'll, we'll find out why. They chose not to glorify God, not to glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. And because they didn't glorify God as God, they didn't honor and magnify him, and because they weren't thankful, they became vain in their imagination. In other words, something happened in their mind. 
Do you know Satan, even for somebody who's not saved, he cannot blind their mind from the truth. It says he only can blind the mind of those that choose not to believe. How do you know a person chooses not to believe? Because they don't glorify God as God and they're not thankful. Why does a Christian do that? Because we have flesh. And if we, don't, if we don't build our spirit man to keep our flesh on that altar, your flesh wants to do stupid things. The first thing we're going to say when we get raptured, we're going to be like, wow, this feels good. I don't have that nonsense going on inside of me that's trying to pull me to be self-centered, selfish, right? Because it just produces death. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their, in their imaginations. So remember, your imaginations, what is that? That's literally in your soulish realm, in your subconscious mind, all of a sudden an imagination. See, what happens is the lowest form of mental activity is a thought, but if you keep thinking a wrong thought and you start taking thoughts and you start speaking them, what starts happening, you start acting on these thoughts, it builds a ma- an imagination in your life. You start seeing yourself live your life in a way, a vain imagination is you see yourself living in a way that is contrary to what God says. You become vain in your imaginations. All of a sudden, instead of seeing yourself walking with the Lord and flourishing, you're going to start seeing yourself a different way. Okay, They became vain in their imaginations. After that starts happening, what happens? Their foolish heart was darkened. In this case, they died spiritually, right? The age of accountability. Man, I'm telling you, you do not want to keep your little kids out of church. Should be in church every time it's open. Because what happens, I've seen it happen so much, you'll see parents that that are Sunday Christians, they, don't, they, don't, they, they leave the church and they just live their life and God's not a part of it. And these little ones, they're wanting to come to church. They, I mean, Pastor Teresa deals with this, man. They love being at church. They love being at church. But then they hit sixth grade. And by the time they hit seventh grade, all of a sudden they're like, I don't want to go to church anymore. Why, eighth grade, why, why does that happen? Because they hit that age of accountability and they die spiritually. Right? Brother Hagen said when he was a little kid, he wanted to be a preacher. And then when he became a teenager, right around that 12-year-old right mark, then he wanted to be an attorney. Right? Why? Because he died spiritually. Sin revived and he died. And then when he got born again, when he was like, I think, 15 or 16, then he wanted to be a preacher again. Interesting. So these verses, what we've just gone through, this will equip you to minister to everyone because this is what happens in all of our life. If there's an area in my life that I stop being thankful and I stop glorifying God as God, guess what? I'll become vain in my imaginations, right? If I, if I don't magnify God as, as God and glorify him, if I don't honor him in my finances, what will happen? And I'm not thankful. I won't be thankful because I'm not honoring him. There's no, there's no blessing. And then what happens? I become vain in my imagination, right? I start, I start having the movie play on the inside of me. Man, I can't tithe because I would not have enough money for me. It's, that's a vain imagination, And then what you're doing is now you're sealing yourself to a life of where you're your provider. Yikes. And everybody who honors God in their finances are like, no, thank you. Don't want to go there, right? In every way, this happens in every area. These verses are describing progressive steps that a person takes away from the true revelation of God. It's a progressive thing. It's slow. It's just progressive, right? Step number one in rejecting God is don't glorify him as God. I want to encourage you, Christian, 
all those watching online, you know if there's an area of your life you're not glorifying God, make that adjustment. God's not mad at you at all, right? He loves you just as much, but make that adjustment. How do you do that? Even when you don't feel like it, Father, I thank you that I just glorify you in this area. I honor you, I magnify you in this area. And by the way, help me, because I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, right? But the Holy Spirit's down on the inside and will help you. Step number two in rejecting God is not being thankful. After these two steps, the individual's mind is free to start imagining foolish, wicked, and idolatrous thoughts which lead the individual to a hardened heart. What are we seeing in the world today? I mean, it was amazing how they were bashing candidates in this election because they didn't want to kill babies. I'm sitting here going, wow. It's crazy. What is that? That's a reprobate mind. It's a mind that's void of judgment. Right? We, we, we have people like that in the world today. And here's the thing, guys. God has us here to show them Jesus to help them change that. Because if somebody has a reprobate mind, if somebody's hardened their heart, and they come, see, you have the hardened heart comes in to the presence of love. And it could change that. Right? Listen, don't pat yourself on the back. The only reason why we're anything is because of him. Because we were lost, right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Just a few verses in the book of Romans. Every time I talk about Romans, I think I need to teach the whole book. Because it's so foundational, and it's so powerful, and it's so misunderstood. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. It says, But thanks be to God, which giveth, right? This is, this is the Greek word didomai, which gives, adds, and causes us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God gives you and I the victory. He causes the victory to happen through Christ in your life. Isn't that good news? But look at how that verse started. But thanks be unto God. So there's one of your list right there. Father, I thank you that you cause, add, and give me the victory in everything that I face in my life. Aren't you glad? Now, who think about that. God, the ultimate, the one who's holding it all together, the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one, the one who is everywhere, the one who is everything, says, I'll always cause victory, add victory, and give you victory. Whew, that's something to be thankful for. So you get in a battle, and it looks like in the natural like you're losing. What do you do? Thanks, Father, thank you. Because you're adding the victory to me. You're giving me the victory. You're causing me to walk in victory in this area. Right? So what's interesting about this, but thanks be to God, which gives us the victory, this verb tense is present tense and future tense. This, this word in the Greek is not past tense. So in other words, this is speaking about present victories and future victories that you haven't seen yet. You can thank your way out of any problem and into victory. You can, because God will give it to you. Now, 2 Corinthians 2.14. If you want more information on this, we taught a whole series on this. I believe on Wednesday night. So you can go to our app and, and listen to all this. All this and more. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says this, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And this is really cool. Do you know what that word always means? It means always, isn't that? See, you guys are like, you guys are like Greek scholars here, man. That's, 
Isn't that simple? That's pretty cool. So if he always, if God's will for your life is that he always causes you to triumph, should you ever be worried about anything you face? Never. Never. Right? And you'll know if you really see that because you'll be thankful. That's, so now you have two things. Yeah, your pastor's helping you. Now you've got two things on the list. Father, I thank you that you always, always cause me to triumph in Christ. He'll make manifest the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every place. He wants all of us as men to wear the cologne by the name of God. And all the ladies wear this really high-end perfume. It's called God. And what it does, as you live a life of thanksgiving, and as you walk out the victory and triumph, there's a smell that's on you. And what does, that, what does it smell like? To the person around you, it's like, wow, God loves me. God is my healer. God is my provider. There's a, God is a God who gives me a future. That's what it smells like. That's what it says. That's part of your witness. Isn't that interesting? God gives you victory, he gives you triumph, and that's part of your witness. It comes out of you. Wow. This one also, which always causes us, that's an interesting Greek word too, because it's not past tense either. It's always present tense and future tense. Wow. Thanksgiving, again, is how you increase your capacity to receive from God. No thanksgiving and you're limiting yourself. Right? Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. When you pray, what do you do? How does every prayer start out? Father, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and his anointing and ministry in my life. Father, I thank you so much for your word that by these promises I could become a partaker of your very nature. Father, I thank you for the gifts you've placed within me, the grace upon my life. I thank you for faith. Father, I thank you for shedding the love of God abroad in my heart, that it's gushing out of me every moment of every day of my life. And I thank you that you're my healer, that you are my provider, right? That's how you start prayer. And, and it's a natural thing, because when you get to his courts, you'll just be so overwhelmed in your spirit that you'll just start, oh, Father, I just praise you. I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your mercy. I praise you for your greatness. You are the God of all creation. My heavenly father, I praise you because I could call you Abba, Daddy. Right? It starts coming over you. That'll change your prayer life. Right? Thanksgiving puts things in motion that connect you to your victory and to your triumph. Thanking God for what is to come connects us to the victory and the triumph that is to come. It's what connects you. Do you know Satan knows this? That's why he tries to shut your mouth. That's why he'll work overtime. He does not want you. He doesn't care if you believe. He just doesn't want you to speak. Because when you speak... You're literally releasing the very presence, person, and power of God in your life. So these two verses are connected. Thanksgiving, victory, and triumph are all connected. So in other words, we live a life where we give thanks before we see anything in the natural realm. We don't have to see it in the natural realm because we already know. I love what Jesus said to uh, Thomas. You know, I'm not going to say doubting Thomas. I mean, this guy, he finished strong. He had a moment. You know, we always call him doubting Thomas, right? But he said, but Jesus, notice Jesus literally came and manifested himself for one purpose. And that was to say, hey, Thomas, come here. 
I need you to stick your hands in my wrists, put your fist in my side, and stop being unbelieving and start believing. What did Thomas do? Like all of us did, Jesus met him right where he was in his doubt and unbelief. He made a special appearance just for him. Why? Because he loved him so much. If he did that for him, he has to do it for all of us. And he said, Thomas, you know, blessed are those that don't see and yet still believe. Guess what? Jesus just blessed us because that's us. Right? So thanksgiving increases your capacity to receive from God. You know what that means? The limitation on what you receive is not up to God. It's not a matter of what God can do. It's a matter of what you can believe him for and thank him for. The limitation is not on God. God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for all. But our capacity to receive from God varies from one person to another. Why is one Christian more blessed than another one? Well, they're technically, they're not more blessed. They're all, we're all blessed with everything. But our ability to receive, it's just different. And that's why we preach the word. Because remember, we got to guard our heart, Proverbs 4, with all diligence, because out of our heart flow the issues or the boundaries of our life. You get to set your own boundaries. God said, if it, right? God said this, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So, something must happen in me to increase my capacity to receive from God. You got to know that. I have to make a change. Do you know so many believers are so flesh ruled that they just, they hear this, but they, they can't, it's like they can't make a change. You know why? The only reason, because they're stubborn? Nope. It's because they chose not to glorify God and they're not thankful. But if they will ever just be that way, all of a sudden, guess what? everything in their life will start changing. They'll start getting hungry. They'll start, I mean, what, what happens? They will awaken to righteousness. All of a sudden, they'll wake up. Do you know we're living in a church age right now? Man, pastoring the last 15 or 16 years, we've had a great time here, but I have dealt with so many people, and you're just like, you're just going, they're asleep. Lord, I just want to, I want to, I want to pastor in revival. You know, I want, I want to literally have to get up really early and get here before the crowds start coming because people are so hungry. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles like they saw in other times in church history. Why, what do we have to do to see that? Glorify God and be thankful. It's, it's the source. The limitation is on the person's ability to receive, Right? We can choose to receive from God or not to receive. See, you can only enjoy, this is a deep statement. This is Tony Finley deep. You ready? Ready to all just be really impressed with me. Right? Here it is. Heavy duty. We can enjoy only what we are able to receive. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, but you will only enjoy the ones that you choose to receive. In other words, could you imagine, I mean, it's like going to, it's, it'd be like going to this table with the best foods in the world, just stuff that's off the chart, and you're sitting at this table, and you back up from the table and turn to this other side table, and you grab a Brussels sprout, that's just been steamed. No bacon, no garlic, no nothing, and you, you choose that. Do you know how many Christians are doing that? And you know why they do that? Yeah. Some Christians are going, yeah, you better do that right. But you know why? It's because they don't think they're worthy. They don't think they're worthy to eat a hamburger like Andre makes. 
right? Wow. Yeah, and all the men are going, yeah, I remember that, right? <laughs> so important, so important. So the progression is so clear on how we walk this out, right? I mean, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, I, I talked to the men a little bit about this Saturday. So this is a kind of a little... Saturdays really mess me up for Sundays because I get so passionate about what I'm teaching that he gives me for Saturday that it bleeds over. So this is like an advertisement for Saturday, men's group, right? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That word means there is freedom. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Guess where the Spirit of the Lord is in right now? He's in you right now. So wherever, guess what? Wherever you go, there's freedom. So in other words, everywhere you go, that's why you can help people get free. Because he's there. John chapter 8 and verse 31, I love the way it says it because it brings out this progression. John chapter 8 and verse 31, it then said Jesus to those Jews that believed on him. And he said, listen, if you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples, verse 32, and then you will know the truth. What is the truth? John 17, 17, his word is truth. If you just continue in his word, you will know the truth. And man, once you know the truth, the truth will again, it won't set you free, it will make you free. Wow. I said this to the men Saturday, you only know what you live. You don't know what you can quote, you only know what you live. Right? So the progression is, what do I do? I put God's word first in my life. What, what am I doing there? I'm, I'm honoring him. I'm glorifying him. I'm thankful. I'm putting his word first, right? How do I do that? It looks like I, I become a doer of the word of God. What happens when I do that is the Holy Spirit will open the word of God and reveal something about Jesus. And then step number three is I will progress in my life. So the walk of faith, if you're not walking in revelation knowledge of who Jesus is, you're not walking. I put the word first by being a doer of the word. He reveals himself, and then I progress. I put the word first, he reveals himself, and then I progress. That is walking by faith. Do you see how why so many believers, see, when you get into the vain imagination thing, you will start to think that something is God when it's not. How do you keep yourself away from deception? you got to know who you are in him. You have to glorify him as God and be thankful. Right? So that's how all this works. If you go down to verse 36 of John chapter 8, it says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be indeed free. So now... Gosh, I have so much. I do want to do this, though. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1 in verse 13. I went through this with the men a little bit. I want to go through this with you. This is so key to your freedom. You have to know who you are. You have to know who you are. It says here, who hath delivered us, from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. This is what happened to you when you got saved. You were taken out of the delegated, you were redeemed. To be redeemed means you were purchased out of one place and put in another place, right? You, you were taken out of the delegated authority of darkness and you were moved over and you were put in to the kingdom of God's dear son. So who hath delivered us, right? That, as I said Saturday morning, this is in the Greek aorist tense. 
Now what's so cool about this, this means that the action that it's talking about is viewed as a one-time event and it's complete. So you could read it this way. And you, well, I'll just, who hath once and for all delivered you out of the delegated influence of darkness and put you into the kingdom of God. So if you have been once and for all removed out of the delegated authority of darkness and influence of darkness, could you ever be back there? No. You have a pastor, man, Satan's beating me up. Why are you letting him do that? Right? Why are you letting him thump you into your life? You've been removed from him. He has nothing. I love what Jesus said. The enemy has no, nothing in me. That's the way a Christian is to be. Hey, you have nothing in me. You get out of my body. You can't make me sick. You can't make me poor. You can't make me fearful. I don't have a spirit of fear. Get out of my life. But Christians, because they're living in vain imaginations, are letting Satan beat them up. But this happened, this is once and for all, from the power, the authority of darkness, and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Wow, once and for all. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this. <coughs> Boy, you need to hear this. Every young person needs to hear this. Colossians 2.10, And you are complete in Him. That's our identity. This, this Greek phrase, and you are, it literally means you are and you do not get any more this way. And you are complete it means, it means to be made full in Him. You are made full in Him. But I don't feel full. Right, because you're looking at the wrong thing. But man, if you'll just look at Him, you'll realize, I'm full. Wait a minute, I'm full. Right? And you are complete or made full in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Literally means an authority. Wow. So Paul, I mean, now think about this. You are complete in him. You cannot get any more complete in him. You've been made full. You've been made full, wow, in him, in him which is the head of all principality and authority. In other words, Paul in his letter to Colossians, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is making a comparison here. In other words, he's saying in the same way that Jesus had the fullness of God in him, you and I have the fullness of Jesus in us. That'll blow some religious cobwebs all over the place, right? That's so powerful going out on the airwaves, I might even get a letter which I will shred, but that's okay. That's all right. I don't have time for that nonsense, right? Don't worry while I'm shredding it. I normally, if the person signs it, I'll pray for him. Lord help him, right? Because this is like me. I'm in a pool. You know, if somebody, it's like somebody coming, somebody telling me that I'm not complete in Christ would be like me jumping in a pool and somebody walking up and going, you're not wet. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm in the pool. Right? See, I didn't say this. God is saying this. Our born-again spirit, this will rock you a little bit, is identical in righteousness, authority, and power to Christ's spirit. Because our born-again spirit, as the Bible says, is the spirit of Christ. He's in me. Does that mean I'm him? Well, I'm his body on the earth, but I'm not the king of kings and lord of lords. No, he is, but I'm one with him. So I'm his brother. He's the head of the church. He's, he's the creator. I'm not the creator, but I'm in him. Where does he end and I begin? 
I don't know that one because I'm his body. I love the story. Um, I, I love the story. This little boy, I, told, I think I told this Saturday, this little boy had, had been pronounced dead. He, was, he just was not, you know, no heartbeat, no brain waves, no nothing for so long. And in the hospital, they pronounced him dead. And in the midst of all this horror for the family and everything, the little boy just sat up and went, wow, I've been in heaven. And so the parents are like, wow. I mean, you know, they checked them all out. Like, no, nothing. His brain's working perfectly. Everything, all his, all his vitals are perfect. And this little boy starts talking about, you know, I was talking to grandpa, who he had never met, because grandpa had died before he was alive. I was talking to grandpa, and he goes like this. He goes, and he was eating biscuits and gravy. <laughs> Proving that there will be a Benihana in heaven. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm just teasing. But he's, he, he's eating biscuits and gravy. And the mom and dad looked, looked at him and said, why are you doing this? He goes, well, this is the way grandpa eats his biscuits and gravy. And they're like, there's no way he could have known that. And he goes, wow. While he was eating his biscuits and gravy, Jesus walked in carrying a gold stick. Well, to a little kid, a gold stick. What is the gold stick? It's the scepter of righteousness. Wow, right? And he said to the little boy, he goes, you know, I don't have any authority up here. I gave all of my authority to my church. I think of a vision Brother Hagen had where, where the Lord was telling him something and there's this demon going and, and making all this noise and there's kind of a cloud coming up to where he could hardly hear the Lord. And, and finally, finally, Brother Hagen said, get out of here in Jesus' name. And the thing fell to the ground like dead. And he goes, I said, get out of here in Jesus' name. And the thing ran away. And the Lord said to him, man, I'm so glad you did something about that because I couldn't have. And Brother Hagen goes, what? He goes, Lord, you're going to have to show me at least two scriptures on that. And, and what did Jesus say? He goes, I'll show you four. And he went through that. We don't have time to go into that tonight. Now, these are stories. We don't build the Bible or doctrine on it. But the Bible says, all authority in heaven on earth, under the earth, has been given to me, and now you go in my name. Right? So when you say the name of Jesus, all, that, that brings his presence, his power, everything on the scene. Wow. So in other words, positionally, we're complete in him. You have to know this. This is so foundational, guys. This is not taught very much. But recognizing your completeness in Christ is your safeguard against deception. And we are living in a time of self-deception. In the last days, perilous times will come. Dangerous, difficult, strength-reducing times. Talks about self-deception, people being self-deceived. You know, the hearer of the word self-deceived. Thorny ground is self-deceived. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. Enter in and choke out the word so it doesn't produce anything. Knowing you're complete in him will safeguard you against being deceived. In other words, you'll live your life seeing things as they really are. I love that. See, a full revelation, when you get a revelation of how complete you are in Christ, what does that look like? you will no longer be running around chasing all the things Satan has to offer. Right? That's a baby Christian tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Right? But a, a spiritually mature believer is one who stands and speaks the word of God in the love of God. It's not moved by any of this stuff. See, when you get a revelation of how you're complete in him, now our hunger should be for more revelation of what we already have been given in Christ. You'll live your life like that. I just want to know him more. Because the more I get to know him, the more I get to know who I am in him. 
Verse 11, Colossians 2.11. In whom, or in Christ also, you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. I could see it on all your faces right now. That is amazing. I could see it. It's down in your spirit. A lot of you might be sitting there going, okay, yeah, that's great. What, what in the world does that mean? This, this verse tells us what happened. Jesus took the scalpel that only, scalpel, is it a scalpel? That only he, he could have, and he circumcised. You know, when they circumcise a baby, they cut the foreskin away. When you got saved, what happened, the Holy Spirit came in, this great surgeon, and he circumcised. He cut sin and your flesh away from your dead spirit, threw that spirit out, put a brand new spirit, and now your spirit has been circumcised from your flesh. What does that mean? Now your flesh will never dominate you. Before, we had no choice. It would dominate us. But now your flesh is never to dominate you. Sin is never to dominate you. Now, the bummer is now we choose it, but we don't have to. Boy, this is big. Your spirit has been circumcised from your flesh for that purpose. Look at verse 12. We were buried with him in or by means of baptism. This again is in the Aorist tense. We were once and for all buried with him by means of baptism, wherein also you were risen with him through the faith of the operation, the operational power of God who raised him from the dead. What this is saying is literally, we see it further in other epistles, you were crucified. When Jesus was crucified, you were crucified with him. The spiritually dead person that you were and all the sin was nailed on that cross. It was all condemned in his body. You were buried with him. The Bible says in baptism. Baptism. Having been once and for all buried with him in baptism, then you were raised to a brand new life when he was raised way before you were even born. And the moment you accepted Christ, it all became yours. And, but you were risen with him through the operational power of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Do you realize that the power of God not only raised Jesus from the dead in AD 30, he raised all of us too. Whew. Complete work. So this verse Literal meaning, having, once, having been once and for all buried with him by means of baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operational power of God. See, you had to believe and have faith that if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he will do what he said and he will come in and bring me salvation. It's through faith in that operational power of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, and you, that means all of us. It's, it, it's the word you, which seems singular. In the Greek, it's a plural word. It means all y'all, if you live in certain places of the country, right? All of us, everyone, every one of us. And you being dead, we were all spiritually dead in our sins. We were spiritually dead in our sins and in the uncircumcision of our flesh. Our flesh was connected. That's why Adam and Eve, when they sinned, think about it. They, they were not connected to their flesh. But when they died spiritually, their spirit died and their flesh connected it. So now, sin and the flesh would dominate them. Wow. Think of... Think of what would have happened to Adam? So much of his capacity would have just changed. 
His whole outlook changed. This God that he had known. See, we know Adam lived 900 and some years after the fall. I don't know how long he lived before the fall, right? I guess, because who knows, right? But he knew God. God would come every day and spend time with him. And in one moment when that happened, all of a sudden he no longer knew God. He hid from God. He started accusing God. The woman you gave me. And the woman's like, well, the serpent. Right? All this stuff fears on the scene. It says, and you being dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or hath he given life? How did he do that? Having forgiven you all trespasses. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. Do you know everything that was against you? It was blotted out. Which was contrary to us. He took everything that was messing with you and he nailed it. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Having spoiled principalities and power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Having spoiled, that means, the word spoiled means he disarmed the enemy and took away his weapons. That's why now, in Isaiah, no weapon that's formed against you, it's a new weapon, but it won't prosper, it won't work. Why? Because you're righteous. Wow. He, he having spoiled principalities and powers... He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Triumphing over them, it would be more accurately in the Greek, through him. Everything is through Christ. Wow. That's why Romans chapter... Well, you know, jump over there. Jump over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know you're free? Don't condemn yourself for where you are. Jesus was already condemned for you. If you'll stop condemning yourself, it'll help you make right choices and get back where you're supposed to be. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The rest of that verse is not in verse 1. It's only in verse 4 in all manuscripts. So I'm not even going to read it. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Why? For the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus has made you and I free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... It was weak through the flesh because nobody could keep it. I love this. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned. He condemns sin in the flesh of his son. All of it. So he was condemned so we cannot be condemned. The Bible even says we're unaccusable. We're unblameable. Isn't that amazing? And as you know how he's made you, who you are right now as you're sitting here today, I'm not talking about your behavior. If your behavior's whacked, it's just because you don't know who you are. But I'm talking about who you are regardless of your behavior. This is what God did in you. When you know who you are, it will keep you away from deception and it will keep you from running after all this nonsense that the enemy tries to put on you or lead you to. He's always, you know, you'll, you'll get a little low on money and you instantly think, man, I need to, I need to go get another job. I need to do this. I, I need to work two jobs. And gosh, then before you know it, you're in toil. You're not in church. All the flesh stuff starts coming, right? Why is that? Because you just got led away. Instead of standing in Christ, going, wait a minute, poverty and lack, I bind you, I shut you down. Now, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
And I'm willing to do whatever because I know you're good. Amen. It's how you walk free. But all of it funnels down to this. You want to experience life on a new level? Honor and magnify and glorify God and, and, and live a life of thanksgiving. Amen. It'll change everything. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because I know many of us do. And for those, you're sitting there loving hearing this because we need to hear this all the time. Amen.